Uh, Sarah hatched some quail today. Ooh. I was going to ask if they're cute, but if if they're cute, but if they just hatched today, they're probably like slime covered monsters, right? Yes, like which is to say they're they're you know birds. Birds are weird, like they're adorable and disgusting at the same time. They're like really cute and really fuzzy, but they're also fucking bloodthirsty dinosaurs that can and will rip each other to shreds right in front of you. All human animals are secretly like hitmen with been raising to kill other things. I'm not sure why we allow them in our lives, Harry. Like, they have they have no souls, no capacity for empathy. Like, they will look at a brother who they've been with, like, their entire lives and just, like, peck that eye out. Just peck it out. Well, that, that's, that's, like, uncaring, though. Like, cats are actively malicious, and you have, like, four of them in your house. I'll take active malice over just passive lack of anything. Like, you know, because at least with malice... There's motion and a connection, whereas with birds, there is just a void. You prefer sadism, sadism to sociopathy. Okay, good, good to know. Satsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Associated Media. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And I just want to apologize to the other members of my household uh, for the next few days. Like, in these trying times, I'm trying to support one of uh, a, one of my favorite restaurants, which just so happens to be an Indian place, which means I might have gone a little bit overboard with an order today, uh, which means that for the next half a week, we are all in our house going to be experiencing... Indian belly and Indian farts. Your your gut health is bad, so no one in your house can have good good gut health, can you, Sam? I mean, you you catered your wedding at that place. I I don't regret that, not at all. I would do it again. I think they may have regretted it in the end because at, there was lots of leftovers, and our mom did kind of bully them into staying extra to pack it all up so we could. I could. I ate a lot of leftovers while you're on your honeymoon. It was a thing. <laughs> uh, and we still had so many afterwards. Definitely gassing the place out. Uh, speaking of gassing the place out, zero one. Hey. Uh, oh, is this a flip from last week? Because I, you know, maybe I just lowered my standards a lot for zero one. Because I, I was kind of hoping for this to be like a really high tier show, but like last, I've been kind of disappointed. But I actually, kind of like this one. Really, it's not that I didn't like this week's episode. It's that this week's episode is the most wheel-spinny nothing-of-an-episode I have seen yet in this series. Like, I'm, I'm 90... I'm 99% certain that if we had skipped this episode... Like, like if they didn't translate this one, and we just went straight to next week's, I don't think we would have noticed. I feel like there were very important character beats in this one. Like, maybe the plot didn't move forward a lot, but, like, the, the, the characters have kind of... I mean, there have been lots of developments, and now the world has changed... As we get into it, the characters had to get... There was, there was a couple very important talks in this episode, like, which I... Well, let's get into, okay? Okay, uh, okay. At, at the start, uh, Jack is sitting at his desk in Hidden Intelligence and cutting a promo, saying, Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a two guy, aka Jack. We're discontinuing all human gears, we're shutting down all the units, and we're doing a total recall. And... Every, and yeah, like, he starts us off with, like, the villain face, like, into camera. 
if they could have lowered the lighting to cast a little bit more shadow on his face, I'm sure they would have done it. And also, he's not just discontinuing the human gears. Everyone who has a human gear can turn it in for a pair of Google glasses. And oh my god, that is not the same thing. That is not the same thing at all. That fills two entirely ridiculously different functions in a household. Look, it's it's totally fine. It's just his proprietary device that he has access to all the feeds of, and that probably need to pay lots lots of subscription stuff to actually get the good services. Like this, this is a pretty. I mean, it's a strong business move. Yeah, he's like he's Steve Jobs, he's Jeff Bezos. Like he is he is cornering the markets, like buying out the competition, making everything illegal that he doesn't want to be, which makes him a great villain. Yeah, I mean, the villain in this show is pretty much capitalism. <laughs> so all the human gears are shut down, and they mention that illegal dumping is becoming a problem, as we find out when a couple schoolgirls, like, walking, just talking about school, see, like, see what they think is a dead body. But no, it's a human gear. And as they run away, Aruto does his post-apocalyptic bike to the junkyard, and picks it up and throws it in a bin right behind him, and cut to... <laughs> Cut to intro. When we come back out of it, Jack is, he's doing more PR. He's basically like, I think the show is literally called The Presidents. It's like in the actor's studio, but for CEOs. Guys asking him, you know, what's his favorite sound? What what does he hope uh, they say when he gets to heaven? But also, what are your opinions on the rights of sentient, uh, sentient artificial intelligence? Yeah, and he says like, oh, well, you know, the old president of heated intelligence thought that human gears could be great. But then they started attacking people for no real reason. And uh, there's that whole vote. And now people have clearly said that, uh, you know, they don't want human gears. And so the, the shareholders, I'm going to appease them by doing a bold new direction. By killing off a former product line and just completely like human gears at their base level, human gears do, like, physical tasks, physical labor, and that is something that Zayas Beck cannot replicate. Like, think of all- think of all the doctors, Harry. Are we going to have an episode where, like, there is a severe doctor shortage in Japan because all the human gears have been shut off? Like, didn't they say that, like, in episode 10 or something, was it, like, 90% of the medical force in Japan human gears at this point? I mean, we'll see. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe the show will deal with it, maybe it won't. Like, I, I don't want to- Write too many checks on, like, stuff it's going to deal with. But, like, at, as Aruto, he's watching the broadcast and be like, yeah, this is this is the dream we're working for. This sucks. He looks up to see Jin because he was just waiting for him in Daybreak City because they, they know where he lives. Yeah, they know exactly where he lives. And they have a long talk, like, just a really friendly talk. Like, these two guys who have been trying to kill each other, who actually have killed each other over the past 30 sub episodes... They just kind of, like, are watching the water and talking about human gear rights. They sit down and talk about their motives. Jin saying, like, hey, I sincerely wanted all human gears to be friends, but then you called me out that one time, saying that, you know, I've just been betraying them and that wasn't real. I don't want to be like a human dictating how my friends act, so I'm going to free them from human control. It didn't work. Human gears were just a tool to you. But Arto denies this. Yes, he says, I have fought both humans and humigears without prejudice. There, There's no difference between them to me. I was raised by a humigear. I love humigears. And I need you to trust me, and I need you to do me a favor. We cut back to the interview, where Jack is saying, Yeah, so, uh, because I've taken control of the company, I'm just going to 
right away delete all of the backup data for human gears so that they can't, you know, be recovered. God damn, that's a waste of data. Like, just think of all, like, the research all the time, all the money, the resources that were put into it, Terry. Look, what Google, what was that service Google killed kind of recently? Like, the, the community thing? Like, Google Hangouts? Like, they put a lot of money into that, but, like, if you need to shift your product line, they'll fucking 86 uh, product that people put thousands of hours into. This is AI we're talking about, Harry. AI is the last thing we have to invent. I, I think I think Jack has realized that, so he's deleting it, so people need to keep inventing other stuff. Just trying to hold back the singularity single-handedly? Yeah, he's he's profiting by stopping the development of, tech, of uh, humanity. Hey, capitalism. Yay, yay. Also, he he, ha- he has private goon squads now, as we see when Ames. Yes, turns out Ames uh, is now dedicated uh, human gear hunters, which they kind of were before, but now it's a little bit more sinister. And they're using raid ri- uh, raid riser belts, so all the all the street level goons are kind of monsters now. And uh, I I don't exactly recognize the forms that the two guys transformed into, but it it's new. It's new generic putties that they're going to have for the back half of the show. Yeah, I'll I'll look up the exact name later because I'm sure they they still use the the kind of extinction keys, so I think they must be based on some animal. But they're just kind of bulky, mechanical looking black suits. And uh, you are uh, standing off to the side watching them try to fight Jin when Fuo walks around the corner. She is there. She transforms into her like uh, Valkyrie death thing and. So Fua shows up and starts to talk to Yua and tells her, like, hey, you don't want to do this. I know you're being controlled by a chip, so you need to go away. And they have a fight, and it's what a, it's just, it's a sad, subdued fight. Like, neither of their hearts are in this fight. Well, I mean, yeah, Yua's kind of trying, but Fua is, he's basically fighting her enough so that, you know, she loses. He doesn't get hurt or anything. Just holds her back, and then they, they walk away, just both really sad. <laughs> but before Fu can fully walk away, Aruto pops up and says, Hey, what did you say about Zai controlling her? Like, we, we need to communicate better, I think, is what I'm learning. <laughs> Fuwa gives Ar- Aruto the recap of the chip being in Yua's head, uh, which Fuwa seems to think is the sole reason that she is following Zaya. I'm still of the opinion, you know, with the community, that she is uh, that she's Jack's daughter, which is the other reason. She's not, like, acting mind-controlled. So, I mean, I'm sure if she stepped out of the line, Jack would mind-control her in a second, which is probably the thing that's bothering her. But she has some other motivation for doing this. Maybe maybe he's her father. Maybe it's some... I mean, who knows? Maybe it's, like, because capitalism is the problem. Maybe he paid off her student loans. Maybe, maybe like, the surgery was something life-saving that, like, he saved her life or something. Because it's, like, a brain chip. So if that's literally the reason she's still alive is because of him, then maybe that's the debt. You know, there's lots of ways they could go. But the point is that uh, everyone breaks apart. Uh, Jin agrees to help out Aruto, and they all go their separate ways. Uh, we get a quick scene at uh, Hayden Intelligence HQ, uh, where the VPs are just vamping hard, just, you know, prostrating themselves before their new president and just showering him with praise. They're, they're just schmoozing with him, saying like, oh yeah, great speech, I like where you're going. The one with glasses, the one who isn't the vice president says, Oh, uh, Jin was spotted flying towards the tower. And Jack immediately gets up and walks over to where Izu used to be sitting deactivated and she's gone. So yeah, Jin once again, snuck into the lab, stole something and got the fuck out of there. 
they they need to upgrade the security, like locks on those windows or something. Your main opponent can fly. Hey, they're not used to having to lock things on the 50th floor, Harry. Arto, he's in basically just a, a storage unit, and he's he's storing the bodies of human gears he's finding, promising each of them that he'll reactivate them someday. And at that point, uh, Jin shows up, uh, carrying an unconscious and deactivated Isu, along with a suitcase uh, that clearly contains the Zero One belt. And Jin is on full-on, like, protagonist tsundere mode. Like, hey, I didn't save you because you asked me to. You know, I I just wanted to do this. It's fine. I don't believe you. I'm going to do my own thing. Anyway, here's Izu. And Arta says, great, yeah. And I got her data right here. And he pulls out one, one of the little cell phone things that, that was under his shirt. Yes, he uh, re-uploads her memory back into her, uh, plugs her in, and she activates. There's a problem, though, because... As a Hibagir, she is programmed to serve the president of Haydn Intelligence, which is currently Jack. Jin, like, grabs her breath, Jin grabs her breath the arm and pulls her off to the side and starts giving her a speech. Like, hey, I've, I've done as much as I can. You have to decide how you want to live. I'm fully independent. I'm not working for the Ark. I'm not working for Satellite Zia. I, if you achieve the singularity, you can be free, just like me. And Aruto... Walks around the corner and says, yeah, he's right. Like, do it. That, that'd be great. And Jin is increasingly shocked by how Aruto is, like, totally on his side. Like, the, the, the plot of this episode mostly is Jin and Aruto realizing that they no longer have any reason to fight. And kind of like, oh, we're on the same side. <laughs> I mean, not, not no reason to fight. Like, Jin is still, I'm going to throw out a bad analogy here, but is this going to be one of those, like, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X things, only everyone is wearing power armor. I guess. Uh, hmm. Is it more like a Charles Xavier and a Magneto thing? Let, Maybe. Let's go that way. I'm not sure. I feel like this show is, to a certain extent, avoiding the thing of, like, these are... I mean, like, because a lot of times, uh, like, shows, science fiction, things like these, if there's a new invented robot race or something, they do basically, they, they plop civil rights things right on them. And I feel like up until now... They've actually been portraying it totally differently, like human gears are... I mean, not totally differently, it's just... I mean, I suspect they may slide into doing this pretty time, sometime soon. Certainly there were shades of it with the they're taking our jobs, but... What I like in the show is that actually they're showing human gears as genuinely different from humans, and that's okay. Genuinely different, and genuinely legally different. Like, they, they have no rights. Like, people can kill, destroy human gears uh, with no repercussions other than just replacement costs. Jin pleads to her, saying, hey, you'll never be free as long as you let humans control you. Speaking of which, uh, in his dapper-ass white suit, Jack walks onto the scene. He, he even has, like, a, a parasol, like a sun umbrella. Yep, and he also has two uh, Ames thugs behind him. Uh, the same two, I believe. We're we're going to get to know these two exact same thugs very well, I'm assuming, over the course of the next few episodes. I mean, if they get a speaking line, maybe, but I think neither of them spoke in this episode. I'm just gonna, like, look to the background every time they're there. I'm assuming that they're going to have some kind of, like, tragic love story between the two of them. I'm just gonna imprint that on the series going forward. Is that gonna be our Zero-One fanfic? <laughs> the tragic love story between guy with guy with no hair and guy with no beard? Yes, absolutely, that's what it's gonna be. Anyway, they pull- like, Jack tells them, hey, just shoot Izu. And Aruto takes a bullet for her. Uh, but it turns out that the bullet that he took in the chest was stopped by more of the cell phone things. For he rips off his shirt to reveal that he has the uh, memories of every single Humagear. 
like all the hard drives just strapped to his chest. I think we skipped a line earlier when uh, Jack had told Yua to delete all the Huber Gear data, uh, but she said that the satellite actually didn't have any of the data in it anymore. Here's the thing that I really liked in this episode, because Arto, he's been very passive for a lot of the show, and, you know, that's that's still true, but to be fair, he is a very mediocre comedian who got put in charge of, in, like, one of the top corporations in the world, and him being bad at it is not, like, a terrible character beat. But in this moment, in the last episode, when he was, like, looking determined, walking away from the corporation, turns out he had just downloaded all the data, was hiding it under a shirt, and went off to start creating, like, a Human Gear Underground Railroad. <laughs> yeah, he did. And he takes out the Zero One belt, and he tries to transform. But he does not. It turns out that uh, the Zero One belt is uh, linked to the president of Hyden Intelligence, and so therefore the satellite does not recognize him. Uh, Jin tangles with the two thugs who transform and uh, tried to uh, murder Izu, so they're kind of off to one side. So all we've got is Izu, st- uh, is Izu and Aruto staring down Jack. And Aruto, he keeps trying to transform, and it's not working, but he's still fighting Jack. He's screaming about human gear rights. He's screaming about, like, you know, he needs to protect and serve the human gears and get them uh, their place in the world. And Izu, of course, is behind, like, head uh, tilted at 10 degrees, just absorbing everything. From this point on, Izu clearly hits singularity, because for pretty much the whole show up until here, she had, like, a limited facial range expressions. Uh, but now she's actually acting. So she's got, like, full expressions and stuff. And, uh, like, her, her head thingy beeps. And one last time, Aruto tries to transform, and it works. Well, it works just as Jack is firing a killing bolt. <laughs> that would clearly take out both uh, Aruto and Izu, because Jack is a murderer and doesn't give a shit. So, Aruto, he transforms. He is in, like, just his base rising hopper form, and Jack goes to fight him. And here's another fun thing I like, that if the show, if the show is doing this intentionally, uh, it'll be good. Jack, when he first showed up, he was super strong and hard to beat. Largely because of his belt. But more and more people, even with entirely unupgraded stuff, have shown to be able to fight him just by dodging around. And, like, they can't hurt him, necessarily. But Jack is not actually a good fighter in any way. He's a tank. Like, he's a tank. He could take a lot and just uh, no-sell a lot of damage. Uh, but if people realize that, you know, they could just kite him. Uh, so Aruto, he's his grasshopper mode. So he's just jumping past him, launching off of him, beating his subordinates. And once he's done with that, he goes to uh, Metal Cluster Hopper. He snaps his two swords together into like a double staff and starts beating the hell out of him. Uh, yeah, so the fight goes uh, very badly for Jack after this. And of course, he is detransformed into his uh, wonderful ripped tarnished suit. Do you think they like just got like one of those like they have? They have the really clean white suit, and then they have the really fucked up white suit, and they just quickly swap between scenes. I, I like the idea of them, like, artistically, like, uh, tearing it apart each time. Like, <laughs> and, and then in one, like, uh, locker, there's just a series of 20 blank white suits. Also, I'm I'm not sure if I've mentioned this to you, and this is totally tangent, but in Kamen Rider O's, do you know AG, he had weird fashion, like, he, for a homeless guy, he was constantly in flashy clothes and, like, changing every episode. Because he was stealing clothes. Well, not stealing. Uh, he made an agreement with a costume designer beforehand. It probably won't come up, but uh, you can keep you know, whatever clothes your character wears in this show. Just as a nice bonus. And so he he basically made them put him in as many costumes as possible so he could have nice <laughs> clothes. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. 
oh, so this is a good show. But so zero one is is good increasingly some of the time too. It has its highs, it has its lows, just like every common writer series. Uh, but yeah, so after the fight, uh, we learn what happened. Uh, Izu, in the moments before the uh, before the attack landed, uh, took the time to set up a new company, Hidden Intelligence Incorporated, uh, which Aruto is the president of, therefore triggering everything and allowing him to access all his previous powers. So he's still a president of a company, just not that specific one, but she was able to bend it just enough and register a corporation online in a millisecond because she is an AI. That she is. She is the most powerful, competent person on the show. So Jack complains that Aruto, how dare he use his technology without permission. First of all, fucking Jack, like, your entire thing is stealing technology, so... Yeah, and then Izu uh, very clearly points out, like, hey, Hided Intelligence was the company, they owned a lot of materiel, but the actual technology... Uh, was passed down and owned completely by Aruto from his grandfather. Jack, you, what you got is a robot company. You've just discontinued the robots and you don't own the rights to any of the tech. Good luck with that subsidiary. And as the episode closes, uh, well, we get one scene with uh, Jin and Hirobi. Uh, Jin is over watching the scene, looking a little torn, and Hirobi walks up behind him and just kind of drops some cryptic things about like, hey, I never thought I'd see you uh, team up with a human. And just like, no, we're not friends. I'm I'm gonna beat him up and take the data. We're not gonna be we're not gonna become friends in the next episode. Uh they're not gonna become friends in the next episode, but I I like the slow burn that's gonna come up. I mean, Jin has been betrayed by humanity a lot, so it, it would make sense for him to take some time to be fully on board with this. What does he need to be on board with? Like I, he just has to acknowledge that Aruto is already on board with what he's already on board with. I mean, it's it's just, they need to figure out where their endgame is, I think. Because, you know, Arto, he's trying to keep Human Gears alive and safe, and Jin wants them to be free, so, like, it's just... And right now, their goals are aligned enough that they can kind of work together and they've realized it, but the, the conflict may come in, like, where it ends up. And Arto, he has established his new company. He started from ground zero, and this is step number one. A01. Yes, they're in a cheap office, which is going to be the set from, for, what are we saying, the next 20 episodes? Yeah, I, I don't know, because, you know, hey, maybe maybe around this time there's lots of abandoned offices that they could use. Uh, there was, like, an update I checked. Uh, so Toei didn't actually fully close. I mean, they did a temporary shutdown for cleaning and stuff, but uh, they are, like, still trying to keep production up as much. And also just an update that the Red Ranger from Kirmiger, he has already been discharged from the hospital. So Yay. it was not Yeah, so it wasn't a bad case, you know? He young guy, lots of care probably done to him. Yep, uh very good physical health, what with all the acting and the martial arts, yeah. We're not watching Kirmiger, but I think even like there there may be a couple weeks off because of them doing stuff, but I suspect that both shows will probably still be watching Zero One. Maybe the schedule will get weird, maybe the show will get weird, but we shall see. Uh, but Harry, uh, did you notice that the cheap office that they're in, uh, in Zero One, it's the exact same campaign office from like two episodes ago that the politician was uh, working out of? Look, it's 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 just one room. They, re, they redress in different ways. Like, Think generic office that could be either a political office or an empty call center, and you're envisioning the exact office that they're in. In uh, Arto's office, or his former office, I guess, and he did intelligence, the, the big room with kind of the machinery at the bottom. I'm fairly certain that that was also the secret laboratory in Kamen Rider Build, the drive pit from Kamen Rider Drive. 
<laughs> it may be, like, I think for Kamen Rider Double, like, the big concrete room was actually a different one. But, like, they, they use the same space for a lot of the different shows. And that's fair, and I don't mind at all. Turns out one secret lab kind of looks like another secret lab anyway. Yep, change the props and lighting, and you're good to go. And I am good to see where Kamen Rider Zero One is going. Yeah, as am I, as am I. Like, I didn't think this episode was bad, Harry, and I enjoyed a lot of the beats in it. I just also think that those beats could probably have just taken three minutes of the next episode and we could have skipped this one entirely. Like, Aruto, he's not, like, it. he's the protagonist, but he's not, like, the biggest hero in the show. Like, bigger, I think Fuwa is, like, really more of the traditional hero, but I like that it's focused on Aruto, because he, he's not great at this, but he's doing what he can, and it... Saved his character a lot when I found out he had just stole all the human gear data just to keep them safe. Like, that that's a big moment for me. Yeah, and that was great. That was awesome. I loved that. I loved the conversation with Jin. I loved all the Jin stuff. So, I loved all the Fuwa stuff. It's just, oh, everything else was just such spitting the wheels. It's fine, you know. I like I like a nice, tightly written plot, you know, with, like, not much not much trim around the edge. We'll see what happens when we get to the next episode. But for now, we need to go into Power Rangers RPM. And so we have a green focus episode followed by a red focus episode. Yeah, and episode seven is not the one I was worried about, by the way. And last episode, I mentioned that there's an, that there's something at RPM that might be very triggery, given current situation. That's actually episode 11. So we'll get there sometime soonish. Harry, uh, before we go next week, like, would I be correct in assuming that we're going to be seeing a blue and a yellow focus episode? Actually, the next two episodes are both yellow focused. It it lined up it lined up nicely. Yeah, so because yellow gets a two parter, and then and then there's a blue parter, and then there's actually and then the the specific episode that I'm worried might be triggery is the Doctor K background episode. Well, uh, my notes for these two episodes are pretty darn short, Harry. So let's dive in. Ziggy, he's just walking through the garage. He sees a big science fiction weapon thing. He picks it up, starts making noises with his mouth. You know. Mm-hmm. Which we would all do. Let's not pretend that that anyone listening to this podcast would not do the exact same thing. Okay, I would do it after I checked with the scientist that it would not, like, kill me or something. Because Dr. K is not great on safety. Uh, like, and I guess they're just not used to her being out and about because she's just off sitting in a chair now. They actually have a, a really, a gag that I really appreciated in this episode where there's an attack. And so everyone just kind of, like, runs up. And looks at the screen. What are we doing, Doctor K? And Doctor K is standing behind them. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm used to uh, I'm used to being on the screen." Ziggy Ziggy has kind of a bad moment where it's like, "Oh, I I assumed you were a guy." <laughs> Professor Doctor K is just like, "Yeah, sorry to disappoint you." I mean, it's not a great gender politics moment. That said, like the scrambled voice that Doctor K Doctor Light was using, like it was kind of lower pitched. Yeah, I mean, it's you know what, and at least he's admitting it. Dr. Light and Ziggy, they are talking about what the green special ability is, and it turns out that it's teleportation. Good powers. Yeah, Yellow really got screwed. She just has, like, an energy blast that they all have energy guns, so... 
Yeah, she can throw fireballs, but she already had a gun. Like, what? what's the point? Yeah, we both have that superpower, Sam. It's called living in America and getting a shotgun. Yeah, it's called, look to my left, I have a drawer with a gun in it. Like He tries out his teleportation system. He wants to impress the doctor because she did not want him to be the Green Ranger and she's not hiding that at all. And he teleports his clothes off. Uh, she has a wonderful snappy one-liner here. I'm guessing this isn't the first test you failed, which cues a flashback sequence to the pre-war where we see Ziggy failing badly at a driving test. Yeah. Remember when you coached me for a driving test, Sam? And you gave me bad advice? Yeah, pass that driving test, Harry. I, I put you in the right mindset to pass. Alright, but you told me that I'm not supposed to stop at a stop sign until I have clear vision when I thought that I should stop and then roll slightly, and that's what you're actually supposed to do. That wasn't what I said. You misinterpreted what I said. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Okay, no, I'm feeling less guilty about what's going to happen later. All right. <laughs> I mean, this does kind of bring back, like, I mean, I actually did crash a car when I was learning how to drive. Yeah, of course you did. You're not a good driver. No one in our family is good drivers. And, like, really us not. children. Really not. Us, us children know it. Our parents are the scary ones because they think they're good drivers. Oh, actually, dad's, dad, actually, dad's pretty good, but mom. Oh, man, mom. Oh, dad drove tanks. Dad still has that military training. Uh, so Ziggy, they're going into his background. He's working. He's uh, This is back when he was trying to get into the Scorpion Cartel under Fresno Bob. Did, did you expect him to be a recurring character, Sam? A little bit. I mean, like, he seemed a good enough actor that they would throw him in for a few more episodes. So he was in, like, a previous episode. He's in this episode. I'm guessing we got, like, two or three more episodes with him in it. I think that's about right. So Ziggy, turns out this is his fifth driving test he's failed, or at least he's failed four because Ziggy says the other one can't officially fail him until he gets out of the hospital. Uh, anyway, the Fresno Bob doesn't want to let him in on his criminal organization, which, you know, I think that's fair. He was trying out to be a driver for the criminal organization, so yeah, good instincts Fresno Bob. Fresno Bob's trying to let him down easy, but they get interrupted because there's an emergency broadcast, hey, robots are overthrowing the world. <laughs> good times or bad times explicitly very bad times everyone died yeah the flashbacks are what we get to see what's going on with each person kind of when the world was torn down uh so it's at that point that the team huddles together there's an emergency and uh there's like a another like digger bot or wait no is that next episode oh no the monster of the week is the magnet man he's going in to hack the city's computer banks which makes sense computer virus monster uh, but but when we get there, he's just throwing things around with giant magnets because, you know, silly monster footage. Yeah, so the monster of the week this week, uh, again, with the dull gun metal, uh, but it does have like bright red stuff on the end of the on the ends of the magnets. Like it is it is exactly the uh, uh, the Mega Man like magnet boss that you think it's going to be like magnets on hands, magnets on head use everywhere. The Rangers show up and uh, they <laughs> for whatever reason. They exactly right now need to use the Green Ranger's teleportation ability to get behind him because he's grabbing their weapons in exactly the same way happened in that Go Kedger episode. Like, I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a ripoff or an homage or it's just they always do it in these Sentai shows the same way. Who knows? I'm assuming exactly the same way in every Sentai show. But yeah, it's it's kind of a weird sequence because, you know, uh, Ziggy's there. They make him uh, use the teleporter to try to get behind. It doesn't work. Whereas everyone has like their swords out. They're being pulled towards the monster, and then they all kind of realize, wait, we could just let it let it go, 
like we can fly at the monster with our swords and stab it. And they do. And then the robot just runs away. He kind of like stumbles away and they're like, oh, darn, he's running. And they don't they don't chase him. Yeah, whatever. They got stuff to do. <laughs> like they're just they're standing on a sidewalk and the monster's just kind of like stumbling away. And they're like, OK, well, we can't chase it now because it's the first half of the episode. Let that be a warning to you. Anyway, Ziggy, he is off somewhere. He doesn't know where he is. He's just kind of in a dark room. He's stumbling around, picking up stuff, trying to fi- trying to figure it out. And then the bank guards open the door of the vault that he's in, and he's seen holding just bags of cash. This looks real bad. I know this looks really bad, but I can explain. Smash cat to him in prison, and he says, hey, I couldn't teleport back into that vault again if I tried. I'm not a criminal, I'm just incompetent. Dr. Doctor Light confirms uh, he is correct in that he is incompetent. Yeah, but she, she can't speak to him being a criminal. Mm-hmm. So they delve a little bit into Ziggy's past. Uh, they interview Fresno Bob, like uh, black and yellow. They go to have a conversation and uh, Fresno Bob gives them half a story of why uh, Ziggy uh, is the way he is. There's a brief flashback. Ziggy out kind of on a, you know, collections call. Like he's with another a member of the Scorpion Cartel, and they're hitting up businesses for protection money. And Ziggy gets sent to a cartoon orphanage to get their protection money. <laughs> Filled with nothing but, like, a single nurse on staff and, like, 20 kids dying of gamma poisoning. The, the Hulk showed up and gave them all the gamma sickness. If only they had medicine, Harry. If only they had medicine. I wonder how this plot's gonna go. <laughs> They've got two Colonel Truman saying, like, yeah, every criminal cartel wants you dead. Like, what have you done to piss off every gangster so Fresno Bob says yeah he he got he was told to move a shipment of what we're not saying what it is right now but it disappeared and you know everybody was in on it so now we're trying to kill him you know these gangsters are being really open about being gangsters like in a city under military control you would think that the gangsters would have to be a little bit more underground about this we keep seeing the same military gangs or the same military guys I think maybe there's like 12 members of the military and then 90% of the actual people defending the city are like thugs and gangsters that they have to like let be a militia. Like, what if that's that's how it works? <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, I will accept that headcanon. And also, like, I mean, so the the criminal organization was here. All right, we're going into crazy speculation territory. The criminal organization was here before the attack. They were just kind of set up here. Do you think... Maybe, like, the energy shield was, like, a money laundering scheme that just turned out really well. <laughs> uh, like, they were just funneling, funneling construction money in and just hoarding it, hoarding it. But then, like, oh, God, monsters, let's actually build something with it. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. But, yeah, so we see the flashback where uh, Ziggy is meeting all six gangs, which, you know, they're the comedy gangs. The Yo-Yo Brothers, the Southtown Sweet Tooths, the... Ronan, just a guy in his blue crew, and Spike Mike, which are punks or something? I don't know. It it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, pick a lane in Hot Topic and that's the gang. Yeah, they, they would be like C-tier Batman villains. <laughs> They're the Batman villains that are uh, just thrashed on pages one and two uh, before the actual villain shows up. So Ziggy, he can't admit that he gave the medical supplies to the orphanage because that's obviously what happened. So... You know, the Rangers go off to fight the monster. 
uh, then the uh, the gangster that he was doing uh, protection buddy rackets with actually shows up at the Power Ranger base, asks to be let in, and Dr. Light and him have a conversation about exactly what happened to Wasiggy and why the gangsters want to kill him. And hey, now she's on board. And so she's going to finally step outside, which she refused to do before, and save him with her sonic gun. Yeah, she has a thing about going outside. Uh, the sonic gun, which she insisted was untested, but like, uh, she... So, yeah, Ziggy has been, he's been grabbed by the cartels. He's taken to a place where, uh, you know, he's clearly going to be killed. There's a lot of Ziggy being taken places to be whacked in the past few episodes, Harry. Is is that a continuing trend? I think mostly he's just part of the Rangers from now on. But I mean, he, they had to deal with his past, you know. Okay, okay. But yeah, Dr. Light shows up and fires the sonic gun at the gangsters and shoots their clothes off. Harry, I was not expecting this level of nudity from a children's show. Yeah, whatever. Like, this is this is two seeds in this episode alone where people's clothes are fired off of them. But it, it's brief, and then she just readjusts, this and readjusts it and fires it at everyone. And kills them, presumably. Uh, I don't think she could kill them because they they need to defend the city. That's true. That's true. She just disables them. Then, you know, mech fight happens. Um, well, there's a junkyard fight, which, hey, it's a metal guy. It's a junkyard. There's a lot of metal lying around. So it's an interesting fight. Like, I do appreciate that. Then when the mech fight happens, uh, they try to summon the sword right away. But because he's a magnet monster, he grabs the sword and uses it, uses it on him, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, but then, yeah, Green finally shows up and uh, joins up with the uh, two vehicles. And, you know what, they defeat the monster. Yeah, they they do they do the thing I mentioned where they swap out the arms so that instead of uh, yellow and blue, it's black and green. And yeah, that's the the first like upgrade thing they got. For the close of the episode, we have another touching moment between Ziggy and Doctor Light, uh, where Ziggy is now declaring that they are the best of friends, and Doctor Light still says no. Uh, to which he says, "Hey, I got you to come outside to save me," and she replies, "We're in a dome. It doesn't count." Yeah, and he messes up the teleporting. A anyway, next episode. Uh, so the Red Ranger backstory. So, uh, as the episode begins, uh, we see Ziggy and Red rescuing a baby at a playground full of beauty bark. God damn it, landscape designers. Why are you still using beauty bark? That is a blight on all landscaping. I hate it. I hate beauty bark. Oh, I actually don't know why it's bad. Harry, have you ever touched beauty bark, like, with your bare flesh? I think at a, a school playground once, when they replaced the gravel. It's Splinter City. And it's, it's wood, but it doesn't decay. So when it's like, when it's put on the ground, it like deprives nature of places to like grow terrain. It's, it's ugly. It doesn't weather well. It doesn't age well. It has to be replaced. Just putting more wood onto the ground that is treated so it doesn't mold. It doesn't decay. It doesn't return to the earth. It just destroys landscaping. Just, just go with grass. Go with moss. Go with something soft. Go with sand. Like if you're going for a playground, just go with sand. Go, go with sand. I don't know, but maybe it's just part of the aesthetic because the mom really didn't pick the creepiest playground to go to. She's just quietly rolling with ominous music playing. She's rolling her kid along and whispering like uh, lullabies to it. But then she's menaced by grinders. It and the grinders, by the way, they have uh, fully entered the no longer scary territory as the slightest touch of any playground equipment destroys them utterly. Uh, Scott drops some, some one-liners. Ziggy has a whole thing where he tries to build on them, but... Then Scott says, like, no, one-liners are, you know, brevity is a soul of wit. Like, mm -hmm. yes, Ziggy is not good at, like, he's good at the rolling monologues. He is not good at the punchy one-liners. Hey, yes. it's he's very, he's, yeah, he's sticky. 
different comedy styles. Yeah. Uh, the big long fights, lots of in-person fighting, you know, they, they save the kid, and then they transform to suits, and hey, the footage is different. Uh, so it turns out that the other three rangers were on the other side of the park fighting some more uh, grinders, and they're all tracking another monster, and this is where the digger is. I was confused, because I don't think we actually have a monster of the week this episode, Harry. Like, the monster of the week was the digger that never actually shows up. Like, we never see it. Uh, there's a thing at the end of the episode. Does the monster not actually show up? Maybe he's next episode. Yeah, like the monster that got big on the outside, it was just a general patrol bot from the outside, but we'll get to that. Like, they don't show the monster of the week. Like, it's so bizarre because this is a Power Ranger series, but because of the way they're doing it, they're actually seeding lots of information. Like, there's there's plot points they're hinting at here that I can't point out because they're actually interesting reveals. Uh, they're tracking the digger uh, by, like, um, infrared or whatever. And so Dr. Light uh, says that she's going to send a new vehicle out to them. And the vehicle completely malfunctions, flies wild, and destroys a power uh, a power central. Knocking out a big chunk of the grid, but also threatening to crush a bunch of civilians. Dr. K wants them to stay on the attack bot because, hey, it's ra- ravaging the city. They could also go and save people from the debris. Is it ravaging the has- city? Or is it still just digging and not really messing with anyone? I, I mean, it's it's doing something. Like, this monster and the magnet monster from the previous episode... Do we ever actually see them attacking anyone in the city? The Magnet one, there was a point when he went to an outside door and started hacking it open. So he, he was letting in more attack bots. Okay, okay. In, in this show, I don't think there's going to be like a nice attack bot. Other than Dylan, you know. Uh, But yeah, at this point, so uh, there's the brief moral dilemma. And that triggers a flashback from Power Ranger Red. It's the thing where he's in... he's. A pilot on a mission, it's going bad, everyone's dying, and then, hey, it's a simulation. It's a Kobayashi Maru. Uh, simulation 42. That w- That is not fair. And the his brother, standing behind him, says, hey, don't worry, only one person was ever able to complete it. Me. Uh, so, his brother is Captain Kirk. And he is the Spock of the group. It's a thing where, like, you know, his brother is way better at everything than him, and he, and, uh, he feels bad about it. Until his brother dies. <laughs> yeah. I, I was about to I was about to relate this to our relationship, uh, but A, I've never really felt jealous, jealous of you, and B, you haven't died yet. <laughs> you know, I, we got like 10 minutes left in this episode, though, so we'll see. <laughs> what, you're going to kill me before the end of the episode? Uh, no, but like, you, uh, you could die for many reasons. <laughs> yep, so what we're seeing is the backstory uh, between the two brothers and, of course, the father, who is the head of the military uh, in the city. Uh, the brother, he's uh, tried to figure out who his uh, second in command is going to be of Eagle Squadron. Of course, he's going to pick his younger brother because that's the emotional beat that they're trying to get. But he has not yet made his final determination or has not yet turned in the form to the father. He, he's got this very recognizable envelope that he needs to put on his desk by, you know, closing time today. And at this point, we kind of do some jumping back and forth between, like, the flashback and the present timeline. We're not going to jump at the same rate that uh, they are, but uh, needless to say, the Power Rangers, they agree to go and uh, rescue the civilians from the collapsing power tower, leaving the Diggerbot for another episode. Or maybe not, who the hell knows, maybe it was a boring one. I I think it comes back, probably. But yeah, they they use their abilities, like, Blue uses his time stop power to save some people from falling stuff, it's... it's... Time stop is good. Time stop is god power. Teleportation is like second level god power. Invincibility is like demigod power. And then red and yellow just got fucked. Dr. K, she's t- 
typing furiously at her computer saying, okay, I, the reason that the croc carrier, because by the way, we didn't really mention, but the new sword, it's a crocodile, like kind of a uh, big, big uh, van thing. Uh, she miscalculated the energy they needed. And actually, they need this kind of specific power module thing. Turns out the only one that exists was on his brother's ship that went down in the wastelands. We, we're, we've been seeing some flashbacks of the Vengex attack happening. Like, the brother showed up and yelled to Scott, Hey, we need to, we need to be in the air right now. And don't use your flight computer, by the way. Um, things are going bad. <laughs> so this is like the last uh, the last flight of Eagle Squadron, which we kind of saw a little bit of in the first episode, where we know that Red Ranger is the only survivor. Uh, the the older brother, he's saying, yeah, so we're going to keep the, like, we own the skies, not Vengex. I have this experimental thing. I don't know what it is, but it'll make me faster and more maneuverable. And we will just make sure everybody can get through. And what Scott asks, hey, what's our exit strategy? How are we going to get back on the ground? The brother basically says, eh, do you want to live forever? This is this is more or less a suicide mission. So come on, little brother, let's go die. Yeah, I mean, they, they have ejection seats, but Scout, I think, is the only one who lives long enough to use it. Uh, Red Ranger, uh, when he learns that he needs this uh, strange power device from the crashed ship, he goes to his father and asks for permission to go into the wilderness uh, to locate it. His father, of course, says, absolutely not. The Vengex will detect you and come after you. Uh, to which he says that a single person doesn't have a large enough bio sign that the vengeance will, uh, the vengex will let it go by. But the father puts his foot down, says so like, no, we stay inside the city, we keep it, we keep it defended, that's the way we're doing this. Because defense wins wars, Harry. Like, just defense against an unrelenting, overwhelming foe, that is how you win forever. The evil, the evil AI will eventually succumb to sanctions. <laughs> it will agree to peace talks at some point. There's some friction between the two of them, because as, as Scott says, hey, I'm not actually part of the military anymore, so you can't just order me around, even though he's still saluting him out of habit. That's fair. That's fair. In the end, Scott just kind of steals the data. He steals the crash data and uh, goes to find it, uh, not telling the rest of the team. Uh, the rest of the team, of course, wants to go to uh, save their leader, uh, but Dr. Light points out that, hey, uh, your biocides would be big enough that the Vengex would coordinate, they would attack you, and everyone would die. So just not going after him is the safe play. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain Scott actually told Dr. K, because she's not surprised, and, you know, she would be okay with this call. She might have also just, like, planted trackers inside all of their heads. Uh, I mean, I think the morphers, she says, like, she's scanning their biosignatures, so I think they're... They, they already have trackers. More flashbacks. You know, Scott's freaking out on the desert. We see a brief thing of him landing with a hurt arm, and he gets rescued by, you know, Summer, the Yellow Ranger. I'm assuming we'll see the start of this in the future episodes, but yeah. So she was a field medic, uh, a roving motorcycle medic, and she got him back to the base in time, which again, we saw in episode one. She's wearing a medic's uniform, I'll say. But we'll, we'll get into it. So in the desert, he finally finds a crash site, and he... Uh, he picks up the experimental energy thing, which was a lot smaller than the images were making it out to be. I thought this was going to be like a, you know, a meter long piece of metal that he was going to have a hard time carrying back. Yeah, it turns out it's like five inches long. Yeah. And also, but I I mean, there's ways this could make sense, but his brother did bring that very character relevant red envelope with him into the fighter plane. And that's one of the few things that survived. A lot of stuff survived. Like, I just kind of figure... That, you know, the bot 
that the brother's body was so thoroughly destroyed that like his clothes and his like uh, personal effects just kind of littered the ground around it. They all just exploded out of him like a like a River City Ransom enemy barfing up money when you kill him. So the Vegics attack and he is running away. He picks up some of the weapons from the downed ship and uses it against him. But he is uh, fast about to be overwhelmed until his father shows up with a squad of soldiers to fight them off, throw him in the back of a jeep and drive him back to town. They have a touching father-son moment, uh, and then they regroup with the rest of the rangers just inside the city. As they get the kind of energy thing installed, we get to see a even newer upgrade, where the Kruk carrier combines with the black and green zords, and now it's its own separate kind of walking megazord. Very nice. So there is a big mega fight against the patrol bot from the outside, and uh, it's, you know, it's over fast. It's a mega fight. We don't need to describe those. Like, like I've said, the, the important part in this show is getting the stuff needed to unlock the mech fights. Like, th- those are treated as, as important, but the actual mech fights are just kind of perfunctory. And maybe, I definitely I definitely don't have a foot to stand on here, but Scott's brother's handwriting is not very good. <laughs> so this is a letter, an official letter sent to, like, your superior officer, officer in the military to recommend someone for a squad position. But it's like a giant A4 piece of paper, and it's written in, like, giant scrawl, saying, like, I be- I recommend second squad leader to be my brother. S- sincerely. Like, is do you write sincerely on a military letter? Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Do you think he, like, wrote it, like, oh god, the Vegics are coming, I'm not gonna make it out of here, just in case they recover my body later, I want to, you know, stick this one to my dad. I'm gonna do this weird emotional, emotional time bomb, just in case the exact situation comes up. (laughs) Power Rangers RPM, it's, uh, they're establishing stuff, and, like, it's, it's just a competent show, sometimes we run through it quick, because it's good at doing what it does. But, on the other hand, uh, it's time for a quiz. Yay! Because, you know... We were a little short this time, and I've been thinking about quizzes to do. We've tried superhero-based quizzes, stuff like that, but then I remembered it's the time you forced me to do a dance quiz, mm-hmm. Sam. Yes. So for no particular reason, you are about to do, Sam, and if you want to, I can do it too, a high school-level geography quiz. Oh, son of a bitch. No, 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 no. Let's let's just have me do this one solo, Harry. Wait, you say you say high school-level. What's specifically high school level? Are we talking ninth grade or are we talking 12th grade? There's a world of difference there. Well, we'll get there. But I mean, so this is this is a little long quiz, so we don't need to spend too long on each question. It's multiple choice, it appears. Okay, thank God. I'm good at multiple choice. That's what got me through the SATs. How many Great Lakes are there? And uh, it's multiple choice, four. but basically five. Four? Because I was about to say the... the uh, Possible answers are eight, seven, six, and five. Oh god damn it. Uh uh five. You're putting five and you know I'll I'll you know fair is fair, I'll do this too. I'll say five. How many oceans are there in the world? Ocean. Five, ten, seven, or four. Oh god. This is such an arbitrary number because like it's water, it all flows together. There's only one. It's all just water, Harry. It's just political boundaries who decided what's an ocean or not. This isn't geography, this is politics. And it's politics, so it's malleable, so nothing is true, and I'm going with seven. Alright, I said four, but it turns out it's five. How how many Great Lakes were there, Harry? There, there were five, we got it All right. Alright, good. We both got one point. What's the largest ocean in the world? The Pacific. Yep, it's the Pacific. Okay. This is very water-based so far, Harry. Like, did you, did you pick, like, a water quiz? Is this a quiz on, like, bodies of water? No, the next question is, what is the capital of Canada? Toronto? 
It's Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, or Washington. It's Ottawa. Okay, you got it right. I said Montreal. Okay. What is the capital of Norway? Oh, fuck me. Um, Ber- Bergen, Copenhagen, Oslo, and Sweden. Oslo. I I thought it was Copenhagen, but no, you're right. Yes! I am best at multiple choice quizzes, Harry. Which of these European cities is not a capital? Zurich, Vienna, Berlin, or Warsaw? Warsaw. Nope, it is what I thought it was, Zurich. Nope. What is the largest desert in the world? The Antarctic, the Sahara, the Mojave, or the Arabian? I forgot that the Antarctic counted as a desert. Um, um, does it still count as a desert with global warming, Harry? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Antarctic, because the Antarctic is really big. Uh, that, me too, and we're okay. right. How many Canadian provinces are there? Oh God, Harry, when, when was this from? Because they got a, they got new provinces a couple of years ago. 10, 12, 20, or 14? It's either 10 or 12. I'm going with... I'm going with 12. It says it's 10. I'm assuming on, I'm this is an old this. test. Because they got, like, two new ones. That That's what I'm going with. Canada is divided into 10 provinces and 3 territories. God damn it. That's the thing of, like, you know, America, we have those states that we don't admit as states, so we don't give them funding. It, it's all fucked up. <sighs> By the way, how many, how many states are there in the U.S.? 50? Yeah. Good. Knew that one. We'll probably get the American-based ones, mostly right. Yay. Uh, on, on the other hand, how many countries are there in Central America? Oh, Jesus. Which, which is already me shaking my ass because I said American, but, like, this is also American, but, of course, I meant, you know, North America, a.k.a. USA. <laughs> oh, God. Boy. How many countries are there in Central America. What what are the options? 7, 8, 10, or 13. Oh, geez, that's way higher than I thought it was going to be. Alright, I guessed wrong. What what are they again? 7, 8, 10, or 13. I'm going with 8. No, it's 7. Oh, fuck. Ah. What's China's largest city by population? Beijing. No, it's Shanghai. Uh, what continent has the biggest population? That's gotta be... That's gotta be Asia. Yeah, it's Asia. Okay. We got that okay. one at least. What is the most widely spoken language? English, Hindi, Arabic, or Mandarin? Like pri- primary, the most commonly like primary spoken language. Um, or most commonly spoken language. It just says widely spoken. I believe it means primary. I'm still good with English, and if if they say I'm wrong, I'm going to contest because it was a poorly worded one. Because it's of- Mandarin. God. Damn it. If you want to contest, you can send your complaints to thequiz.com. All right, so this is a 40-question quiz, but I'm going to say we stop it at 20. Okay, what are we on? Uh, We just finished 13. Okay, seven more. This is painful, Harry. What country has the longest coastline? Uh, Canada, the U.S., Antarctica, or Russia? Uh, Canada has a really fucking long coastline. I'm going with Canada. I thought it was Russia, but you're right. Ha <laughs> ha! Like, you forget how fucking big those, like, Canadian territories are. The ones where there's, like, five people for every, like, 10,000 square miles. How many countries are there in North America? 60, 3, 23, or 12? In North America? Yes. 3. No, it's 23. What? Yeah, I don't know. Hold on. Wait a minute. That, that can't be right. North America? Sam, Sam, we're being recorded. Hold on. I was going to Google before I complained. <laughs> List of countries in North America. Uh, Antigua and Barbuda, Bahamas, Barbados, Wait, Belize, the, the, Canada. Those aren't in North America. Those are in the Caribbean. I, I think that counts. 
Oh, I... Mm, I mean, Canada, Costa Rica, Those are Rica, islands. Cuba, Those aren't on the continent. Dominica, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Grenada, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama, St. Kitts and Nevis, hmm. St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Trinidad and Tobago. Okay, what city has the largest population in North America? L.A., Montreal, New York, or Mexico City? I think Mexico City. We got that. Yes, we're right. Also, I'm contesting the previous question. So that's two contesting going to the professor. And I'm a very annoying student. So he will eventually give me the points. Uh, what is the capital city of Turkey? Istanbul, Bursa, Ankara, or Turkey? Istanbul. No, it's Ankara. But I'm about like 50%, I think. How am I doing? I'm doing better than you, right? Uh, a little. <laughs> that's all that counts. That's all that matters. Fine, whatever. Which of these countries in South America is landlocked? Paraguay, Peru, Ecuador, or Uruguay? And I'm sure I'm pronouncing a lot of these wrong. Paraguay. I picked a different one just because I wasn't sure, but no, you're right. It's Paraguay. I'm a win. I'm going to win this. What is the world's largest gulf? The Gulf of Mexico, Florida, Odessa, or Alaska? Gulf of Mexico. You're right. All right. Okay, what's the highest mountain in the world? Uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, K2, Lhotse, uh, L-H-O-T-S-E, or Mount Everest? Uh, Everest. Yeah, it's Everest. Okay, so that's 20. I'll, I'll do the full score later, but yeah, you did better than me. <laughs> Harry, Harry, C's get degrees. That's all that counts. I have a master's in computer science. I have, like, a bachelor and a half. Yeah, you also have, like... Oh, yeah, you, you also have a job. Whatever. Yeah, next week. <laughs> next week we're doing more Commodore Zero Run. <laughs> and also RPM. Uh, until maybe, then, maybe what are we, we going to keep doing? Well, in isolation. In order to keep <laughs> fit and limber. Studying geography because we're sad. But also dancing. We're going to yes. keep dancing. Just keep dancing, everyone. Keep dancing for the love of God. Keep dancing in all of the 23 countries in North America. A fact which... I wasn't aware of, but Sam straight up did not believe. No, it, because it's not North America. They're in... Uh, yes, they are. Look, Sam. It's They're in the Caribbean Sea. That's not a part of the continent. Don't, don't dig your feet in on this. No, I'm, I'm digging my feet in. I'm digging my feet in. I'm uh, gonna, arguing with that history professor. I'm going to fade you out at this point. Goodbye. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye.